BBC Good Food Show Summer at the NEC in Birmingham. It is very busy here. Looking out of the windows at the studio, lots of people walking around, tasting lots of really good things. Among them, you would not be surprised to hear, is gin which has been a phenomenal growth in the UK uh, in the past 10 years or so. Andrew Murray-Watson joins me in the studio. You're relatively new to this uh, market, aren't you, Andrew? Brixton Gin. Yeah, we've been going about 18 months. Uh, we launched, obviously, in the middle of lockdown in 2020. Um, not the ideal time to, to, to launch a product that requires people to go to the pub to enjoy, but um, it's, been a, it's been a great journey since then, um, and um, we're thrilled to be here. Um, a lot of people suspect that the gin market has, has plateaued um, and there are figures about which suggest that by the end of next year we'll be consuming something like 90 million litres of gin in the UK alone. So to <laughs> clearly that plateau hasn't quite um, uh, quite happened. How robust is the market though and, and why, why go into what is already a fairly crowded market? I mean, I think you, you, you sort of put your, put your finger on it. I mean, it is a huge market. And there's been people saying that it's going to peak, it's going to, it's going to plateau off, and there are other products that are going to come along. Um, we've not seen that happen yet, and we're still seeing sort of double-digit growth in the market. Um, there's been a proliferation of, obviously, flavoured gins, uh, which has kind of helped the category grow even further. I think from our perspective as a startup, um, a few things have been very important for, for, for us from day one. One is to create a product that is genuinely distinctive in a crowded market. Um, London dry gins are the dominant kind of variety of, of, of gin. So that's why we created a product that was slightly more contemporary, slightly different in taste, but still very much a sort of a classic gin. So I think having a product that's genuinely different has been really important for us. And also a product that, that is, um, it looks different. We've put a lot of effort into how our bottle looks. It stands out on the back bar. Um, and that point of difference has really um, been important for us. So I think that a lot of, a lot of gin brands are not quite hobby brands, but they are rooted to a certain geography um, and they're going to struggle to escape that geography in a, in a sort of national sense. Um, and, um, you know, so therefore, out of the hundreds and hundreds of gin brands there are, the percentage that actually have the potential to grow international brands and international brands is still relatively small. Um, so I think for the, the right product with the, with the right brand, there's still the opportunity is still huge. How important is price point? Because the gin market is segmented. Um, there's, there's sort of, you know, I guess we call it the average everyday drinking yeah. gin, some of the mass producers. Then we get premium, super premium, ultra premium, which is the, the very high end of the market. Yeah. How, how difficult is it to set a price point and maintain a healthy margin? It's, it's, it's difficult um, because the way the market is structured is that lots of people, there are lots of people in the chain, right? So we've got to make, so the people you know, who supply our botanicals um, and the distiller has to make a margin, we have to make a margin, the wholesaler has to make a margin, obviously the end customer has to make a margin as well. So the margins when you're dealing in, 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 in um, selling into the trade are pretty, are pretty, pretty tight um, and inflation has not, has not helped that over the last 12 months. Everything costs more, shipping costs more, um, your you know, price of our bottles have gone up 40% in the last, in the last six months. But, um, but it's a volume game. So, um, and you, know, you can support your margin by selling direct to consumer as much as possible, uh, which really helps our kind of blended margin across everything that we're selling. Uh, in terms of coming up with the, with the right price point, um, very good quality products can command um, a price point of around 
you know, between 35 and 40 pounds. 35 pounds was, was until recently the kind of the sweet spot um, where you really wanted to be at a retail level. I think with inflation now you're seeing most retailers putting up that price by a pound or a couple of pounds. So it's, we've really moved sort of 35 to 37 pounds. Um, and I think that's where for super premium brands like ours, that's where you really want to be playing at. The increase in distribution costs, not least of all um, fuel costs going up, everything is costing more to get to the consumer. Yeah. There is a point where you simply can't absorb those costs anymore. That's right. And we've had to put up our wholesale prices um, recently by a pound. Um, I mean, we're, we are slightly shielded from the from the from the all the inflationary pressures because GT is still by far and away the biggest element of, uh, of, of our price. I mean, we pay just over £9 a bottle in duty, which we have to pay before the product leaves our warehouse to go to the customer. So if you're dealing with customers who are 30, 45, 60 day payment terms, you've got to carry that duty uh, until such time that you get paid for that, for that order. So the inflationary pressure is really around the, the remainder of that bottle price. So um, that's, you know, that, that is a, a relatively smaller sum but one that still has a bearing on the price that you have to you have to charge your customer. It's been well reported that during the pandemic, more people started to drink and drink more in quantity, and perhaps also traded up to yeah. some of the, the premium brands. Um, and the um, Wine and Spirits Trade Association is suggesting that this year into next year, we could be looking at a 14% growth uh, in volume, certainly, uh, of gin consumption. Yeah. Um, is that sustainable with the market as it is at the moment? I think people who have, always, have, have, have called the top of the gin market have proven to be somewhat premature in their predictions over the last few years. So who knows where we're going to end up? Um, I think you know, the breadth and the quality of the gin, market, the gin products in the market has, has, has grown exponentially, and that's, that has created a, you know, a much bigger consumer base for gin than was, the, the, than was previously the case. I mean, certainly for us, we had a we had a baby. Uh, my partner and I had a baby in February 2020, and um, new parents out there will know that having a baby does lead you to drink quite a lot, um, and that was one of our reasons for starting up the starting up the company. Um, but um, no, I think when people were locked in at, locked in at home and they couldn't go to the pub, they, there was a real appreciation for quality products that, that people were drinking at home. Um, there's I think there's um, provenance in products is is really key. Um, Brixton. For us, you know, we've had really strong sales in Brixton and South London and London generally um, because, um, you know, people just really appreciate local products and that could be gin, it could be cheese, it could be anything else. People love local, sporting local. Um, and that's been a real key driver for us as well. Some of the botanicals in Brixton gin are, come from the Brixton area. That's they? right, yeah. So we work with an organisation called Urban Growth. They take um, disused urban spaces and turn them into gardens. So we've worked with them since we launched, um, and they're now growing um, some of our botanicals that go into our gin. So um, we have some juniper trees planted in the centre of Brixton, a little orchard. Uh, for those of you know, who know Brixton, it's uh, an orchard just behind St Matthew's Church, um, right in the heart of Brixton. Uh, and we have some of our other botanicals growing as well, coriander, some violets, some orris root as well. So, um, And we're looking to kind of extend that relationship and grow as many botanicals as possible within Brixton. Hundreds of gins on the market, they all taste different. I mean, the, we've, you've already mentioned the standard sort of London dry gin. Yeah. Um, if you were to describe the taste of Brixton gin, yeah. um, how would you do it? So, uh, it is a contemporary twist on a London dry gin. 
So we've added some raw Brixton honey from a family-owned beekeeping company up the hill, uh, some wood violet, some hibiscus, uh, so it is ever so slightly more floral, more fragrant, it's very zesty, it makes an amazing summer gin. Um, it is, um, as I said, it's really important for us to create a product that genuinely tastes different and create a gin that people remember what it tastes like the next morning. <laughs> Just finally, um, we've already mentioned it's very busy here at uh, the Good Food Show at the NEC. Lots of people come into your stands, not least of all, like all the other drinks uh, stands, because you're sampling, which is the way to get to the customer, isn't it? What would you suggest is the, the level of, of take-up, and how important is that that one-to-one look them in the eye with the customer? It's really important, and I mean, the, as you said, the, there's so many gin brands in, in the market, and there's so many gin brands in the room, actually, um, and um, the best way of, of persuading people as to you know the, the quality of your gin is, is to get them to try it, and once people try it, then, then it's a much easier sell. Um, I mean... We'll have to wait and see where we end up at the end of the show. I mean, so far, so good. Um, we've been making healthy sales, considering it's most people haven't had lunch yet today. Uh, we had our first customer at five past nine this morning, bless her. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, when you're, when you're in this sort of environment, it's, the story is really important, and people love to hear the story of the product and where it's come from and the, and the motivations behind the product. Um, and that's really important for us, and, and, and um, not just kind of face-to-face, but, but for, the, for our brand. BBC Good Food Show is at the NEC in Birmingham until Sunday, and with your ticket, you also get entry into BBC Gardeners World Live. Andrew, thanks for dropping into the Steve, studio. I mean, you. you need to get back. There's probably a queue of people now. It's lunchtime. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs>